0: Hi, this is Aubrey Malik from the Freelancer to CEO podcast, and you are listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast.
1: Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to Eat Blog Talk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave Eat Blog Talk a five star rating if you love this podcast, and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast, it adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. Hey, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 322. Today, I have Aubrey Malik with me, and she is going to teach us how to take our blogging skills that we've already mastered and turn them into services to offer other bloggers as a virtual assistant. Aubrey Malik is a former teacher, freelancer, and host of the Freelancer to CEO podcast. She teaches women to experience the freedom and joy that comes from designing a freelancing business with the skills they already have. Aubrey, how are you today?
0: I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you here. And I'm excited for our conversation. But before we get into that, tell us what fun fact you have for us.
0: So I was thinking before when you told me that you were going to ask me this question, and I don't know why, but I feel like this was something that I always said when I was growing up. But I have a birthmark that isn't in the shape of a heart. And I always would lead with that. It's like one of those like icebreaker party questions that I just always thought was a fun fact about me, so. <laughs> and that was probably
1: followed by, where is it? Let me see, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Luckily, it's in a place that I can show people. It's not like somewhere where right. you don't want to show. So, but yeah, that's my fun
1: fact. Oh, I love it. So where where is it? We have to know.
0: It's up. So it's kind of, I guess it's interesting to describe it now that you're trying to like do as opposed to like here, just look yeah. right here. Um, But it's on my arm, like up by my shoulder. So like kind of like right above my armpit, um, right in that crack where your (laughs) your shoulder and your arm kind of combined.
1: Oh, that's so cool. never had a birthmark uh, fun fact before, but I'm going to counter your fun fact with one about a birthmark. So this is so crazy. But when my youngest son was born, he was born with a birthmark on his arm. And it's like the exact replica of a birthmark I have on my leg. And it's like not a normal sized birthmark. It looks like, I don't know, I always say it looks like the profile of Superman flying. There's like a head and then like an arm going forward and an arm going back. So when he was born, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. This is so crazy. So it's like our little tie together. Oh, it's I love cool. that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, Okay, so we are going to talk about taking our blogging skills that we already have. There are so many of them and turning those into services so that we can serve other bloggers, make money and add value to their businesses. So how do we start with that? How do we even start figuring out which skills to serve people with?
0: Yeah, a really great question. And a lot of times what I tell people when they're getting started Luckily, I think your audience has the benefit of really already being immersed into this online world and seeing what the different things there are that go into starting a business. A lot of the women who come to me are coming from those traditional type jobs, teachers and nurses and corporate nine to fivers. And they're thinking, how do I actually bring what I know how to do and transfer it to the online space? So I feel like your audience has an upper hand on this. So what I would really tell your audience to start thinking about in all the things that go into having their blog and running this online business, what are the things that in the long list of things that they know they have to do when they get in front of their computer, what are those things that they you know, no matter where they fall on the to-do list, they're always trying to bring it right up to the top or they get so excited or, you know, no matter where it is in the step of the process, it's like, oh, I got to do this. So maybe you're writing the blog post and it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to go create the graphics. Like I already have this idea for what the graphics will look like for this blog post. Or maybe it's like, oh, I can't wait to create the pin for this. Um, maybe it's like, oh, I can't wait to do the research for the SEO for this blog post. So really thinking about those things that light you up, that get you really excited because those are probably your natural strengths. And those are things that I would definitely lean into because if it's a strength for you, it's something you already enjoy doing. Chances are you have a really great process or a really great way about doing that for yourself. And that's going to benefit somebody else, another blogger, another online business owner who maybe that isn't their strength, or maybe that's the thing that takes them the longest. Like maybe graphics are the one thing that another business owner is like, oh, I know I have to do this, but I'm just gonna push this off and keep pushing it off until like the very last minute of having to do this. And so oftentimes the things that we really enjoy, we don't even think of as a strength because we think, or something that comes easy to us, we think, oh, like this must come easy to everybody else. And usually that's not the case. And that's a strong indicator of something that you should really lean into, because like I said, it's going to help another business owner in an area that either they have a weakness or just something that takes them a long time to do, or maybe they are just spread so thin and they need to outsource some of those tasks.
1: I love that. So just what are the thinking about, what are the things that you lean into, the things that excite you as you go about your day and week and maybe just noting that and then considering the fact that not everybody enjoys task X. So that's a great way to kind of sort through that. Something I hear a lot, a hang up, in this space is that people know what lights them up and what they want to dig into more, but they don't know how to find people to serve. How do you recommend doing that?
0: Yeah. So I like to tell people to take an inventory. So if you have that ideal person, like take an inventory and start to think, where are those people hanging out? online. That's the first thing. Cause I think a lot of us, our natural instinct is to think online. So to think of, you know, Facebook groups or Instagram or TikTok or maybe even LinkedIn, think of those things. But another thing that I like to tell people too, is don't just keep yourself boxed in with online space also start to branch yourselves out and think, okay, where are people in my day-to-day life hanging out? And I know a big hang up for people is, well, I don't know anybody who has a business or I don't know anybody who would like to have this service or who would pay me for this service. Chances are there are plenty of business owners out there that need that support. And they are out there being like, I don't know even how to find those people. So thinking even within your own personal network, I have a lot of students who have really tapped into their local network. So they have a lot of uh, businesses around them, small businesses that don't have this huge budget to bring on a full, maybe social media manager or or an in-house person as an employee and having somebody who will come in and do different projects for them on a project to project basis makes more sense for their budget. So don't just think online space of like, where can I connect with these people? tap into your your personal network, even tapping into other people that you hang out with who are doing similar things for you. A lot of times we build this network of people that could eventually use our support. So even other bloggers in the online space, I'm sure you have communities that you hang out in. Chances are those people are getting to a place where their business is growing and they can't do it all alone and maintain the schedule and where they would like to go. So there's you know definitely online places, online communities, Instagram are really great places, but also within your own personal network, your local network, that would be a really great place to start putting those feelers out and just start chatting with people and letting people know, hey, this is what I do in addition to what I'm doing here with my blog and I'm really passionate about this certain service and that's why I decided to start offering this to other business owners because I know that there's other people that struggle with this or they just don't have the time to do it and I really want to be able to support them through that.
1: So looking outside the scope of food blogging, which I don't feel like is something that we often think about, we assume that we need to kind of stick within our niche, but we don't need to.
0: Right. Absolutely. Especially if it's something that you can help with a variety. It doesn't necessarily have to be niching down with the business. I say that there's a couple of different ways that you can do that within freelancing. You can either niche down with the service that you offer. So instead of being like, Oh, I'm going to offer a little bit of this and that you can become known as the person who does Pinterest, or you can become known as the person who does website design, whatever it is for you. That's one way to niche down. The other way to niche down is who you're serving, or you can do a combination of both two. And I think wherever you find your passions are, wherever you feel like your strengths are, just kind of leaning into that. And if there's something that is outside of your, you know, food food blogging that you are super passionate about that maybe you're not able to explore in that creative aspect of it, definitely leaning into that because you might it might open your eyes up to the possibility of what's out there.
1: Oh, I think that is amazing advice and allows people to think outside the box a little bit. What are your recommendations for pricing? I know this is hard for so many people, myself included, but how do we price ourselves when we are offering services to others? So
0: this is kind of a a little bit of a loaded question because I'm going to tell you an answer that sometimes makes it a little bit tricky because it's like, oh, is that really an answer? It really is going to depend. Number one, it's going to depend on what type of service that you're offering. There are some services that if it varies from month to month of what you're going to be doing, it might be great to start out charging hourly. And again, depending on what experience you already have doing this is really going to decide where you fall in that line. A lot of women who come into my community, like I said, they're they're just getting started in the online space. They haven't had really any prior experience. So a lot of them start in that 25 to $35 an hour range. But there's other services where it's not necessarily need, it doesn't need to be tied to how long it takes you to execute that service. So that's where you can lean into more of the package pricing or some people refer to it as value based pricing where it's not about how long it takes you, but more about the value that you are providing and the expertise that you have and the experience that you have and how you price this out. Again, there's a couple different ways you can go about it, but what you look at is, I'm going to give this person, this business owner, X, Y, and Z services for this total price. Um, And again, that's not necessarily like, oh, it's going to take me 3 hours times my $30 an hour gives me that. Um, That is one way that you can start to go about it. You can also work backwards. So you can think about, okay, what is my income goal for offering this service? How many hours per month do I have to devote to that? And you can start to work and formulate it backwards to kind of give you that more hourly pricing that, again, it's not necessarily that beginner rate. Um, And then also, too, I, I like to encourage my students to do some research, like go out there and find some people who are offering a similar type service, like where are they priced at so that you can start to get an idea, especially if you're just getting started, or maybe you're you have a little bit of experience with this, or maybe you're an expert at it, you can kind of see, Okay, here's this one person, here's what they're charging, here's what they include, and start to get a feel for what is the quote unquote industry standard out there for that service so that you can see where you start to fall because you definitely don't want to undervalue your services and you definitely don't want to overprice your services. So pricing is definitely a very tricky subject. And like I said, it's not like a clear cut definitive answer. And of course, as you gain more experiences, as you start working with clients and as you start getting really great at what the service that you offer, as you start to up level, maybe you're investing in a course or some a skills training that really helps you to deliver a really great service to your clients, then you can start to increase your rate too. And you can start to grow into those prices too. So I think that's something that's helpful for other people too, to know is that like the prices that you start out at don't need to be your prices forever. It's something that you can grow into as you gain that experience, as maybe you gain more confidence. I know a lot of times getting started with pricing, it's like hard to, you don't want, like I said, you don't want to overprice yourself, but you're also like, who's going to pay me for this? So starting at that place where you feel comfortable and you're not going to feel resentful doing that work. Like, oh my gosh, I'm totally undervaluing what I'm doing. But I also like to tell people, price yourself in a way that maybe stretches you a little bit, maybe makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable too. I feel like that's a really great sweet spot. And again, it's really going to vary from person to person.
1: How do you recommend overcoming that mindset that you mentioned about like, Nobody is going to pay this much to hire me for service X, because I know that is so common. I have thought that myself so many times as well. Yeah. Like, how do we go about getting over that?
0: Yeah. So one thing that I like to help people to reframe in their mind is not necessarily what you are charging maybe per hour, but thinking at it from the business owner's perspective and thinking, hey, if I go into this business owner and I free up maybe an hour, a couple hours of their time by doing this service... What is that business owner actually going to be able to do during that hour? Maybe they're going to be able to take on a one-on-one coaching client that's worth X amount, probably more per hour than what you are charging. So thinking about it from that angle is like, what is the value that your service does? It's not necessarily like, Oh, I'm just, you know, I know some people are like, Oh, I'm going to help business owners like tackle their inbox. Like, and in their mind, they're rationalizing like, Oh, that's just an easy thing to do. Anybody can do that. But if, A business owner feels like they can't get to the work that they need to do because they are constantly bogged down by their inbox and they're never able to get through all of those emails and it's distracting them from the work that they need to do. If you can come in and say like, Hey, I'm going to take care of that inbox for you. And that, that frees up an hour of their time. Maybe they're able to, like I said, book a coaching client, or maybe they're able to have a conversation with somebody to, to sell their course or whatever their business model is. Or even for me, you know, I hire people in my business that frees up my time to do things that... Don't necessarily need me. And for me, what does that give me? That gives me time with my kids that I was spending up in my office trying to figure out how to do this when somebody else could come in and help me with that. And to me, I can't even, I can't put a price on that. Like time with my family is everything to me. So not necessarily thinking about it from, oh, this is such an easy thing. Anybody could do this, but what is the value that you're bringing? And even that's something that I would encourage you to ask those clients that you're talking to. If I could do this for you, if I could um, take this off your plate, how would that feel? And really getting to that emotion piece of it, it's helpful for them to see the value in it too. And a lot of times it takes, like I said, it takes that confidence and maybe where you start out with your pricing is not where you want to be right in the beginning, but working into that. And every time that you gain a new client and you gain that confidence and you see like, Oh yeah, like people are hiring me for this. Then you can you know continue to raise your rates. And like I said, grow into those pricing. So it doesn't feel like oh my gosh, Like I'm starting out charging $1,000 for this and feeling that that overwhelm. And I think, like I said, finding a price that feels comfortable for you, but also gives you that little bit of stretch and pushes you outside of your comfort zone a little bit, helps you to take that leap where it doesn't feel so scary like you're just totally jumping off a cliff.
1: I liked what you said earlier too about not being resentful. That's kind of what I do in my mind anytime I'm pricing something now is I think what price point is gonna make me Angry. right <laughs> like I don't want to be doing this for this num this dollar amount and then what dollar amount is going to make me feel good or comfortable like yes this is worth my time so I think that's maybe a good place to start too if you have no idea how to price um you mentioned like doing a little bit of research and just seeing what other people are charging but then I think you have to kind of go with, Your gut, do you agree with that? Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I like the way that you said that too. Like, what's gonna make me feel like, oh my gosh, every time I sit in front of my computer, like, oh I gotta do this again? Even if it's something even if it's something that you love, if you don't price yourself in a way that makes you feel good. Like even if that's like your favorite thing to do in the whole wide world, you're going to start to feel resentful of that because you know that the value that you bring is there and your price doesn't reflect that too. So that's, that's a a simpler way too to just like what's going to make me feel angry and then where am I going to feel really good? And again, like I said too, even taking it that next step further and stretching yourself just a little bit where it's like, what's going to make me feel good and also maybe a little bit uncomfortable um, because I truly Mm. feel that when we push ourselves outside of our comfort zone, even if it's just like, like one, you know, tiny step outside of our comfort zone, that's where we can start to really think big picture as opposed to, you know, kind of just staying in that place that feels feels good, feels comfortable, but really wanting to like take that next step too.
1: And there's always people I found that are willing to pay that slightly uncomfortable uh, rate, right? Like you think that there's nobody out there that's going to, and then you find a few people who do and you're like, oh my gosh. And that Helps to raise your confidence. And then that sets you on a path to kind of up leveling, like what you're talking about, growing into your comfort with pricing. So it starts with, yeah, just finding those people who are going to pay that rate that you really think you're worth. Absolutely. Hello there. Just popping in to chat about Rank IQ for just a minute. Rank IQ is a powerful keyword research tool made just for bloggers. I have seen such wild success with the keywords I have run through Rank IQ for my food blog, Pip and Ebby. And I want you to see that success as well. And you can. Starting a little over a year ago, I saw potential with this amazing little keyword research tool known as Rank IQ. And I began planting seeds. I knew that over time it would germinate and grow into a thriving crop of organic traffic, but I did not know how quickly some of those flowers would bloom quick organic growth. Yes, please. So I dug into Rank IQ even more, knowing that some seeds would sprout quickly and others would take a bit more time to grow. I will talk through one of my quick growing examples just to give you an idea about how fast a post can gain traffic with the help of Rank IQ. I created a post titled How to Make Jarred Alfredo Sauce Better and published it on 12-31-21. By January twenty third, so not even a month later, it was getting a hundred page views a day, and was in the number two spot on Google, and still holds that spot. This post continues to gain traction and has received over forty thousand page views so far in twenty twenty two. And this is just a single example. Think of how bountiful your traffic crop could be if you started planting those Rank IQ seeds today. Go to rankiq.com to sign up and check it out for yourself. You are going to love it. Now, back to the episode. So you mentioned a little bit ago about um, ways to find clients. So there's obviously the Facebook groups and different forums for food bloggers looking in real life to find those people. What are some other ways we can show up authentically and build relationships so that we can get those clients?
0: Yeah, I think one of the best ways and I think like the biggest bang for your buck. And I know that this is this is kind of keeping in with that theme of pushing ourselves outside of our comfort zone. But I think in this time that we're in right now. I think the best way that you can show up authentically and really make connections with people is through video. And I know you and Megan, you and I both are podcasters, and that is still another great way to continue to, to build that trust. But there is nothing like the power of video and showing up and showing up as your authentic self. I think a lot of times people are scared to show up on video and to show their face because they're thinking, oh, I have to look a certain way and I have to have this and, you know, I have to have my makeup done. And honestly, one of the biggest piece of feedback that I get, which, you know, just lights me up, is that people are like I see myself in you. like I, I'm i that type of person. And so I like to show up in who I am because I know that that's really going to speak to the people that I want to attract. So I think definitely showing up on video. My platform that I chose to do that on was TikTok, which I know for some people is not everybody's. like. Some people are like, what, TikTok? I think this is just a dancing app. But it has helped me to really build connections with people a lot faster than I had seen, even with my podcast. My podcast was a really, again, another great way to continue to nurture and build those raving fans. But the the way that it happened when I started showing up on video and I just started putting myself out there, the good, the bad, the ugly, it just made those instant connections because people could really see who I was. There was like no hiding behind anything. I really was just showing up as I was. And that's where I saw
1: kind of the growth for me. What ways did you show up on TikTok that made you grow so fast? So I think the biggest thing for me was consistency. And
0: um, I, I'm, some people are not going to like this answer. I was just talking with somebody the other day about them getting started on TikTok and they're like, well, how many times do I have to show up? And um, I don't really think that there's a magic number. I just think whatever is going to work for you that you can stay consistent with. Um, but I think that that was something that really helped me to build that that tribe of people in that audience is because they knew every single day that they were going to be able to come back and get a n- new piece of content for me or just here for me. And, and they started to expect that. And that started to build those people of like, okay, I'm going to keep coming back for Aubrey. So definitely having that consistency. Whatever, whatever platform you choose to do. I mean, it's the same goes for blogging too. Like you definitely want to have that consistency and have that schedule of like people who are following along and who are wanting to tune in or read or watch what you're doing, that they can start to expect, hey, she's gonna show up, you know, every single day or she's gonna post this twice a month or whatever it is. I think that on any platform, but specifically for TikTok for me, it was just how can I show up consistently so that my audience can really build that trust with me and I can really nurture them through that.
1: Talk to us about your batching processes and your systems. I know that you believe in like batching videos and how that can help you. Um, yeah. Talk to us about that. Yeah. I definitely
0: think I'm, I'm, that was one thing that really scared me maybe a little bit from starting video because being a podcaster, I'm like, Okay, I can show up. I don't have to do my hair. I don't have to do my makeup. I just go in front of the mic and I record. And it, that felt really easy to me. So stepping into video, I was like, Oh, I've got to, you know, do my makeup and I've got to have this and everything like that. I think the nice thing about. TikTok in particular for me that I haven't necessarily seen across other platforms for video is it doesn't matter how many times like you're in the the same outfit or, you know, looking the same way. Like, again, they just they want people on that platform. So for me, I would just start to think about, you know, in a day, like how many videos I could do, I would start to pull questions from people, I would start to take those other topics that maybe I had talked about on a podcast, or maybe I had talked about on a blog and start to break them down into smaller bite bite-sized pieces. Because that's something, you know, for those shorter form videos, it's not necessarily going in and in recording a 20 minute video. Um, it was more of how can I break that down and, and really capture their attention, really get them a quick win. Um, so taking some of those other pieces of content that I had already put out there, again, like for me, it was my blog, my podcast, things that I was already posting on Instagram or maybe talking about on stories and just repurposing them over on that platform in another way. So I wasn't reinventing the wheel. I was really having that like one main piece of content. Um, like I said, whether it was a blog post or podcast, and how could I break that off into different things and really filtering it through a lens of like, how can I take this piece of content and how can I use it to inspire people? How can I take this piece of content and use it as a way to entertain? And then how can I take this piece of content and maybe break it down into an educational video or maybe a five-part series where if maybe the blog post or the episode had Five topics that I was talking about, breaking that that down into a series where it was five bite size videos where they could come back to, and you know every day I would do that too. Um, and so really doing that, and from there that that made that process easier for me to be able to batch in a chunk when I really could like again not reinventing the wheel not having to think okay where where am I pulling this content from but taking it and filtering filtering it through that lens. And then for me it was really like a day or two where I would record that content and I would have it saved and then I could just slowly start to drip that out. That made it really easy for me to be able to show up. So if you already have that content that you're using really go even if it's you know a couple months old, going back and repurposing that. And then again, another thing that was helpful for me with TikTok too, is that I was able to continue to repurpose even content that I had already posted on TikTok because I was posting those videos. The, my feed would, you know, the videos that I had posted, a, you know, a month ago would start to get pushed down. So bringing those topics back up, maybe in a different format, um, maybe with a trending sound or maybe with music in the background, as opposed to just a talking head, um, you know, putting it in a different format, even though it was the same content, because all of the people who were following me or even new people, they maybe didn't see that piece of content that I posted a month ago. So bringing that back up. So it was a lot of, rinse, lather, repeat type cycle um, that I that I would use.
1: So food bloggers, I don't, I mean, I know some who do create other content aside from food content, but do you recommend that if food bloggers are offering services to other bloggers that they start creating content that you're talking about and inspiring people in that way aside from like their food side? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I
0: think it's definitely something that you should do. Because you want people to know that that's something that you offer. If if you don't ever talk about it or don't ever put any type of content on it, how can the people who are you know looking for your services or how how can your ideal clients that you would really love to work with? How do they know that that's something that you do? So I know for some people it might just be like even simply like putting it on your website as a tab like work with me or um, you know done for you services. But I think consistently bringing that up in your content. Um, it doesn't have to take over your entire content, but having that be something that you share about so that people know, like, oh, hey, like, not only does she do this, but she can help also help me with this piece too. Um, you know, for me, it's, I do a little bit of both. Not only do I coach people on how to start their businesses and grow and scale that, but I also still do work with freelancers. That's not the, the forefront of my business. That's not what I'm consistently putting content about, but I do, you know, bring that back to the forefront so that people do know like, oh yeah, like she is still doing that. So I think you have to find a healthy mix of, doing what you're currently doing, but also starting to weave in that, yeah, I am going to start offering these services. And here's how different ways to work with me. So that again, people start to catch that and they're going to need to see it more than once before they decide to actually work with you. So making sure that you have a strategy of like, you know, I'm going to bring this up a few times a week. I'm going to talk about it. Just let people know, because if you don't ever talk about it, how can we get you connected with those people who might want to hire you?
1: Do you recommend starting an entirely separate social account for that? Because I can see where it would be a little confusing. Maybe not, though. I don't know. I'd love to get your thoughts. Serving like business to consumer and then business to business within the same social account.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to take some strategy behind it. I am all about working smarter, not harder. And for me, like I had this dilemma too, even when I was getting started with my business. I, you know, I had my Instagram account and I was like, okay, I can either keep this Instagram account and then create a whole new one or I can just transform this one that I currently have um, and start weaving in again those those topics that I want to and shifting it towards that. Could I, If I went back in time, I probably would have created a different account just because like now it's, I mean, a, more a majority of my account is the ideal audience that I want, but I do still have people on there who are like, I was following you for pictures of your kids and you know, just to keep up with your life, not necessarily your business. But I really, you know, it's really going to depend on how much time do you have? Do you have that time to maintain both of them? Some people do and some people want to keep it really separate and other people want to be able to to weave it into the mix of what they're doing. So I think it's it's more of a personal choice on that and really what you have the time to devote to. And if you can find a way where it is relating to what you're doing, like with your food blog, then it might make sense to keep them one in the same. But if you really are like, no, what I'm doing is completely different than what I'm doing here and the services that I'm going to offer, then it might, you know, make more sense to separate it. But again, that's added work on you. So you just have to be willing to see like, am I going to be able to keep up with both of them at that pace that I want to?
1: Yeah, a little bit of experimentation, maybe to start. Uh, What are some other systems that you use to save time? Because diving into serving others, like you just mentioned, is extra work. So... I know that you incorporate systems into your life and business. So tell us Yeah, what they are. I
0: think if you're going to start serving other clients in this capacity of offering, you know, done-for-you services for them, I think the biggest thing that I can recommend as far as a system is investing in some kind of CRM, that's Customer Relationship Management System. Um, there's some really great ones out there. And again, it's just personal preference. Some people are, are diehard for one system and they swear by it. And other people are like, no, you got to pick this one. Um, but things like Dubsado and HoneyBook and that's going to handle a lot of your client management. So handling things like your invoices, your contracts, client communication, just keeping everything in one place, keeping everything on track so that you again like if you're also adding this into addition to something that you're already doing you want to make sure that something you have something that's organized and then from the flip side of it too the clients that you're bringing on are going to be really happy when they start working with you and it's like oh okay it wasn't this hodgepodge mess like everything was organized i got you know the invoice i got the contract Then I got the welcome email saying, hey, like, I'm super excited to get started with you. Here's the next couple things that I need. So really starting to think like bird's eye starting to look like if I'm going to start working with clients, what are those things that I need to have in place? And I like to tell people it really starts from that first place of finding out about you, not necessarily when you have a signed contract and a paid invoice. So starting to think back from, okay, like if somebody finds out about me and they want to inquire about my services, what's that next step going to be from them? You know, do I have a link to book A call with me? Um, Do I have a link so that they can view the services that I have? Like start mapping out that customer journey of how am I going to move a person from one place to the next. And if you have some programs that can help you to do that, so you're not doing all of that on your own, that's going to make things. Simple for you. Um, it's going to take less time. I think any anytime you set up a system, it takes more time in the front to put that into place and to make sure all of those moving pieces are working together. But once it's set up, you don't have to continue to like make sure it's working. You know, fine. It's once you have that th- thing through, you have a journey for somebody to move through. So I think if you're going to start offering services, that's something that I would definitely make sure that you invest in. Think through, plan out, um, have that map so that you know how you move somebody from one place to the next. That's going to make such a difference. Number one, for you, for your business, so that you're not, you know, on this hamster wheel trying to like do all these things on your own. But like I said, too, from the client's perspective that you're bringing on and helping them in your in their business, they're going to feel really well taken care of, and that makes all the difference in the world, that first impression of you know starting, especially if maybe it's their first hire, they want to feel at ease. And if you can do that through having a nice, easy, breezy system for them to move through, um, like I said, it makes all the difference in the world.
1: Systems are not super fun or easy to get going. But once they're <laughs> up, oh my gosh, they're so great. I absolutely love when I put the time into a system and it works and then it can kind of just like run on its own. It's pretty magical. So yeah, that's a great recommendation. Do you have any other systems you recommend? Yeah. So it really
0: depends on how how advanced you want to get. I mean, when I was first getting started, I really heavily relied on using um, Google Drive, the G Suite. I don't, I don't know if that's... I feel like somebody said it's called something different now. Um, and I still do use that. But ha- even something like that, having a hub for your clients, having a place where you guys can share documents, you can share what you're working on, something where it's organized, or you can up level to, to more of a project management system. There's so many of those too. Again, there's not a right or wrong here. But finding something that's going to work for you, I think is the best. When I was first getting started in the online space, everybody was Team Trello. And I tried to use that to help me manage my different clients and the projects that I was working on. And I spent so much time trying to get it to work for me when it just for whatever reason, with my brain and the way that things work for me, it just wasn't working. And so I switched to a different project management system. And that helped me to be way more productive. It helped me to get things done and stay on track because it just flowed with me. So there's Trello, there's Asana, there's ClickUp, there's Monday, there's so many, but that would be another thing um, that I would say... There And there's free versions of those too. So it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you invest in, but having something that's going to organize your projects, going to keep you on track, things that you can set due dates to, that's super helpful. I was very much a believer of, A pen and paper planner, and I've been slowly shifting to being more digital because it really it helps me to have everything in one place as opposed to being like, where's that sticky note and did I write this down in my planner? Like especially when you're booking calls, it's so nice when you have everything synced together. And now in the online space, so many programs that you're using can sync together and you can get things organized. So um, definitely having some kind of digital online system to to organize yourself and your projects and your clients is super helpful
1: too. So much great information, Aubrey. Wow. Thank you. I think this gives kind of a clear picture about opportunities that food bloggers can dig into as they're either waiting for ads to get on their site or maybe they want to increase their ad income. Either way, I think that this is a huge opportunity to dig into serving other bloggers and just figuring out how to do that. Is there anything we've forgotten that you want to be sure to mention? I think we covered so much. I don't
0: want to overwhelm your audience, too. But I think um, this is a really great opportunity, like you said, too. If you're waiting for things to pick up with your blog, um, this is what I have found, too is one of the easiest ways to start making that income. And it's not like you're saying, oh, I'm putting this blog or this vision that I have here on hold. You're using your number one, diversifying your income stream, which I think is a great thing for any business owner, no matter what type of business that you have. But you can use this to help you to fund this you know, passion project that you have too. So it's, it's relatively easy to get started, to get set up. Like I said, I don't, I don't want to overwhelm your audience with telling them, do this and do that. I have a free training for that that really kind of goes through those steps. So if your audience wants to check that out, I have that linked up at aubreymalek.com forward slash EBT. So if you're thinking this is a good fit for you, that would be a really great place to start. Um, But like I said, it's something that you can easily add on to what you're currently doing that can really help you to bring some of that income in while you're waiting for, like you said, some of those other things to start to work.
1: Oh, awesome. That's such a generous offer. So thank you for that. And I can start to like move my body. So we had a little bit of audio issues in the <laughs> beginning. So I've literally been like a statue this whole time. So hopefully I didn't sound like a statue. <laughs> um, so I can relax now that we're saying goodbye. But thank you so much, Aubrey, for being here. We're so grateful for you and everything you shared today.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Uh, do you have a favorite quote or words of inspiration to leave us with?
0: Um, I have a quote and I I don't know the whole entire quote, but I heard it when I was in a a mastermind and I absolutely loved it. I'm going to I'm going to butcher it. I know. So I'm just going to take a quick, quick minute (laughs) to search for it just so I can give your audience some context. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so I'll I'll read it just like kind of the beginning part. Um, like I said, it's a it's a longer quote, but it's our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that frightens us most. Um, And so it goes on to that, too. But it was it's really it it inspires me because a lot of times, especially in the online space and when there's people who are doing things similar to you, it can start to feel very overwhelming and it can start to feel like, who am I to do this? And that like it's it's a longer quote, like I said, but it really encourages me that we all have unique gifts. We all have things to offer to people. And um, we owe it to ourselves to allow ourselves to shine brightly too. So um, that's one that, that really inspires me whenever I'm feeling down or whenever I'm feeling that imposter syndrome starts to kick in. I, I read that over and I'm like, okay, yes, like I need to. It's, it's almost my duty to, to shine brightly so that um, I can encourage other people around me and I can inspire other people too.
1: Oh, so inspiring. I love that so much. Thank you, Aubrey. We'll put together a show notes page for you. So if you want to go look at those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash Aubrey Malik. Why don't you tell everyone again where they can find you online and on social media and your podcast and everywhere else?
0: Yeah, so I like to make it super easy for people to find me. So pretty much anywhere you search, it's just going to be my name, Aubrey Malik. So my website, com. Instagram, Aubrey Malik, TikTok, Aubrey Malik. So, and then my podcast is called Freelancer to CEO. And lots of really great topics for helping you, like I said, starting this business as a freelancer, growing it and also scaling it to those maybe higher figure months that that can support you along the way too. So I would love to have you come over there and listen as well. And I just wanna thank you so much, Megan, for giving me this opportunity to pour into your audience.
1: Oh, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure to chat with you. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.